Today we're talking about prayer. How, how do we actually pray in times of crisis? How do we actually pray the, the kind of prayer that, that God answers? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to start to turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to give you six truths that, that will kind of help us learn how do we pray in times of crisis. I know in my heart, my prayers have been, God, just help us get out of this. But how do we actually pray intelligently and purposely in this season that we find ourselves in? So Daniel chapter 9, let me pray and then we will allow God to speak to us. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you that at the end of this service we get to proclaim that you are not dead, you are alive through the ordinance of communion. God, in the next few minutes, may you meet us in our homes. May your words come strong and true. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, Daniel chapter 9. We're going to just walk our way through this. We're not going to read it in one section. We're going to kind of walk our way through it. The very first thing, when we want to pray in a time of crisis, the very first thing that we want to pray is we need to understand this concept that God needs to speak before I start speaking. We always need to listen to the voice of God. God always makes the first move, move in our life. We don't. God is the initiator of everything in our life, and we are the responder. The Bible says that, that we love God because he first loved us. The Bible says that we serve God because he first served us. Yet he knew we had a problem. And this Sunday we celebrate that solution that Jesus came to die on the cross for us. Even before you and I knew that we had a problem. God gave to us first. And then we respond to that gift. God always initiates. God always calls us to respond. And that's true with prayer. The reason that we talk to God is because God first talked to us. What we do in prayer is claim the promises that God has already given to us. Now, how do we actually listen to God? Well, many of you are holding open the word of God. This is a way that God speaks to us. Logically, we need to let God speak to us so that we know how to even pray, what to pray about, where to pray. Daniel did this. If you have your Bibles, look at verses 1 and 2 in Daniel chapter 9. Let me give you a little background. Seventy years later, this nation is still messed up. And so Daniel proclaimed these words in verse 1. We're not any closer to God than we were 70 years ago. I'm afraid God is going to leave us here in Babylon. He's not going to bring us back to Israel. This is the crisis. Sounds a lot like the crisis we find ourselves in. Look at verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Exerus, a Mede by descent who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. You will never pray effectively or purposely 
until you discover what the Word of God says to you. The more you know the Bible, the more you're going to actually have your prayers answered. In John 15, 7, Jesus proclaimed these powerful words, If you remain in me and I in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. But he says we must follow these two conditions. You may ask any prayer, anything you want in prayer, and it will be given to you if you remain in me and my words in you. If I'm praying and I'm not getting an answer, the very first thing I need to check is, am I actually fulfilling those two conditions that Jesus proclaimed? Daniel, back in Daniel 9, is saying, I'm going to study the word of God. The more that you and I fill our mind with God's word, the more that we memorize the passages and the verses that are in God's word, the more answers that you, will, you and I will have actually in times of crisis. I want to encourage you, if you can develop a habit of, of multiple times in the day actually having a conversation with God, if you let him talk to you, and you talk to him, you will handle the stress of this crisis way better. It'll improve every area of your life, I guarantee it. Daniel is so worried in Daniel chapter 9 about the crisis in his life, so he starts reading this book by Jeremiah. Now, here's the thing. Daniel and Jeremiah lived at the exact same time. Jeremiah 29, don't go there, verse 10 Here's what Daniel was reading. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. I will fulfill my good promise to bring, back, bring you back to this place. And then you probably have heard this verse in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future, you will call on me and call on me and find me and pray to me and I will listen to you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God says, I have a plan for your life. It's a plan for success. It's not a plan for defeat. It's a good plan. It'll give you hope. It'll give you a future. God says this same thing to you in this crisis. We know that verse, but we often leave off the very last phrase which says, in those days when you pray, I, God, will listen. God says this to you today. He says it to me. I made it you with a purpose. I have a plan for your life. It's not automatic. You can miss it, Matt. God says this, there's two factors. I promise to rescue you. I promise to bring you back home. But I'm going to need you to do a couple things, Matt. God's timing and me praying. He says to these guys specifically, the guys in Daniel's time, I'm not going to cut short my plan. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. I'm not going to cut it short by one day. You're not coming home any day, any day sooner. You're going to be there for 70 days. And God says, when it, the time is right for me to fulfill your plan, we're all going to go back home. But you're going to have to do something. 
You're going to have to pray. And when you pray, God says, I will listen. God's in control. But my responsibility, what I need to do, is I need to ask. James 4 verse 2 says this, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight and argue. You do not have because you do not ask God. Matt, you're telling me that there's some things that God actually wants to do in my life that are really good and great, but they're not going to happen if I don't ask for it? That's exactly what I'm saying to you. How do I know when I'm waiting on God, and how do I know when God is waiting on me? If I've asked God to do something great in my life, and I've prayed about it, and I've asked, and nothing's happening then I need to continue in that pray, in that prayer. If I pray and I ask, and, and that's all true, and I haven't got an answer yet, then I need to learn to wait on God. On the other hand, if I've done something great, or I have something great that I'd love God to do in my life, and I've always wanted God to do it, but I've never asked God to do it. I've never asked God's help. I've never asked God's guidance then God is waiting on you. If you haven't prayed about it, God is waiting on you. You have not because you ask not. Well, that's the very first one. Here's the second thing. If you're taking notes, write down this. My attention must be focused on God. In Daniel chapter 3, go back there. It says this, so I turned to the Lord. I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting in sackcloth and ashes. When you talk, you want people to actually turn their focus to you. When Maris and McCulley were, were little kids, they used to grab me by the face or yell really loud, look at me, daddy. You're not paying attention. Look at me. They wanted eye-to-eye -eye contact. This is the highest gift you can give to anybody. That is your attention. You can turn your face to God in prayer. How do I do that? Well, physically, we need to do that. Just look up. God, I'm here. I'm ready to talk. You can go outside, look up to the heavens, stare up there. Just look up. He physically. Notice verse 3 in, in Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Version. It says this. So I, Daniel gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. My attention has to be focused on God. Proverbs 8, 17 says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. They find me. You say, I can't find God. I want to tell you, you're not seeking hard enough. You've got to seek the right way. Those who seek God find God. How about Jeremiah 29, 13, which says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's serious. That's emotional seeking. No, when you seek me with all your heart, heart, then you're going to know me. How about this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? Without faith, it is impossible 
to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. How about this in Luke chapter 12, verse 31, where Jesus says, Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And finally, how about this from Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, into chapter 6, verse 1. Then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face in their misery. They will earnestly seek me. And this is great verse, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. The question here that I found myself asking this week was, what healing do I need in, in my life? Maybe for some of you that are watching, you need God to heal your depression. You need God to heal your anxiety. You need God to heal you of the secret fears that you have during this season. Maybe for some of you, you need to have healing on your body. Maybe for some of you, you need healing in your finances because you've messed up. Maybe for some of you, it's simply you need healing in your marriage. God, I need you to heal my relationship. Maybe together we all need to pray a simple prayer of, God, I need you to heal our nation. I don't know where you need it, but it starts when we start to focus our attention on God. The very third area, the third area that we need to focus on is my desires. My prayers must be brought with emotion. When I want to ask God for something, and I'm praying about it, I need to say this, God, I need this. God, I plead with you whether it's a physical need, a material need, a spiritual need, an emotional need. So many of, of my prayers and maybe your prayers are just cut and dried. We just simply say words. We're not even sure what we're talking about. We have these little things that we've memorized. Let me say this, that God doesn't care how beautiful your prayer sounds. In fact, I don't believe God cares as much about the words as he does about our emotions. God doesn't just go like this, I love you. No, God loves you passionately. God loves you emotionally. God has deep, deep, deep feelings for you. How much does he love you? If you don't know how much he loves you, then look at the cross. I'm willing to die for you. That's how much God has emotion for you. God says, I want you. When I have such emotion for you, I want you to talk to me emotionally. Does tone actually make a difference when we make a request? Of course it does. Do any of us remember when we were little and maybe our aunt or uncle was tickling us and it was fun at the start and then it got too much? And when you wanted them to stop tickling you, you just didn't say in a small voice, please stop tickling me. No, you were proclaiming it loudly, stop tickling me, I can't handle it anymore. The passion, the intensity shows how much something matters to you. Now, if you ask God about something, God, I, I really want this, God, I really desire this, but you're not passionate about it. Maybe if you only pray once about it, 
Maybe if you're not even sure what you prayed about, then why would, why would God want to answer? God might be saying, what is this? Is it a wish? Is it a whim? Or is it really a true desire? Look down at Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, the second part of it. I love this. The, the words say, I began pleading with God, pleading with God earnestly in prayer. There's a Hebrew word, the bakash, and it means an emotional request. It's serious seeking. I'm searching for you with all my heart, God. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Look at, look at this verse again, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. Let me read it to you from the message. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Have we ever done that? Have we ever got to a place where we poured out our heart to God? Have you ever bared your soul to God? This is not wimpy, weak praying. This is gutsy prayer. This is gut-wrenching prayer. I'm pouring out my soul to God. You know, the last time that you probably prayed that prayer, you were in deep, deep pain. Because we don't pour out our hearts to God like that when things are going great. No, we pour it when we're in pain. Is that the only time that you pour out your heart to God when you're in deep pain? Someday you might want to do a study that involves you looking at the, the different times in the Bible that God actually talks to us about crying out to God. There's so many examples. There are many promises that God answers or reminds a nation or a people of as they cried out to God. God, I really need your help. It says that Daniel was, was pleading what is Daniel pleading with God about? I think Daniel's simply going like this, God, I just want to go back home. I'm an old man. I'm 85 years old. I've spent my entire life serving pagan kings. I've done really good, God. I've stayed true. I've kept integrity. I didn't deny my faith. I, I keep seeming to be promoted. Now, Jeremiah, the other guy that we referenced, that that Daniel was reading, had predicted that after 70 years, Babylon would fall and that the people of God in Babylon would start praying and pleading. God, let us go back home. Here's what Daniel would have read in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 4 and 5. Jeremiah wrote, In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel... The people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord their God. They will ask their way to Zion. They will turn their faces toward it. They will come and then bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. I want you to, to go back to that passage at some point this week. I believe this is one of the most touching and hopeful verses in the Bible. They don't know how to get home, but they're going to ask God in tears and they're going to start working their way back home. You and I need that kind of prayer. We need to pray that, that prayer for our own life. God, I've gotten so detached from you. 
God, I've gotten so busy, I've gotten so complacent, I've gotten so distracted, I don't even know how to get back home. I don't know how to get home to Jerusalem, but I want to come back home. You and I need that prayer in our life. When my people join together in tears, God says, I'm going to answer. Right now, I want you to wrestle through this in your mind. Does anything break your heart? The stuff that's going on, does it break your heart? You see all the stuff going on all around the world. Does anything ever bring tears to your eye? If not, I, I believe then that you've pulled away from the true heart of God. Well, those are three things. Let's continue with the fourth. I believe that I need to show God that I'm serious. When you're praying about something, we need to signal to God that we actually mean business. This is not just a little whim. It's not a casual thought, but we're really serious about it. We want God to see that this is really important to us. Now Daniel, in the next part of his verse, in verse 3, mentions three ways he shows his, he, that he signals his seriousness to God. Two of them were cultural customs. One of them was a spiritual discipline that had been going on for centuries and, and decades. And people still do it today. Look at verse 3, the third part of that verse. I started fasting. I started fasting and, and went without food to show my sadness. I put on rough clothes, sackcloths, and sat in ashes. Jesus said that there's some miracles that are only going to happen by prayer and fasting. Why? I believe it says, God, I'm, I'm super serious about this. I'm super serious enough to go without food. That's how disciplined and serious I am about this prayer quest. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The Israelites fasted before they went into battle. Daniel fasted in order to receive guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before he began a big building project. Jesus fasted in victory over temptation. The very first Christians fasted during decision-making times in their life. I believe if you want God to answer your prayer, we need to get serious. The fifth area, we need to thank God for his love and promises. The Bible says that when we ask, we need to ask with thanksgiving. You and I are called to live with the attitude of gratitude. The fifth thing that Daniel does in his prayer, he reminds himself of how good God is. This week, this is my challenge to you. Remind yourself of how good and gracious and how awesome God is, even in the midst of a crisis. Look at verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, you're awesome. You keep your covenant of love with those who love you and keep your commandments. Look down in verse 9. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. You and I need to have an attitude of thanksgiving when we come to God in prayer. And then the sixth one, I need to humbly confess my sins. 
God doesn't listen to prideful complaining, but he does listen to humble confessing. God responds to humility. It says in scripture that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Now some of you, you might think, uh, I admit my sins to God, God's going to punish me. God doesn't say that. God already knows every stupid thing that you've done in your life. He just wants us to admit it. Really, it's for our own humility. When God hears you be humble, he responds not with punishment, but with blessing. God responds with forgiveness. God responds with mercy. He responds with grace. You're going to get taken down by your own pride. Some of you already have in these last few weeks. What you hung your hat on of being able to take care of your family because of your great job or to provide this for your family because you were able to has been stripped away. God says to us, come to me humbly. Just admit you don't have it all together. You know that stuff that that I did yesterday, it wasn't right, God. That stuff, the way I talked to my kids, that wasn't right. Just admit it to God. To confess simply means to speak the same thing about God. You're right, God, that was a sin. There's no excuse. It was wrong. Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 5. We have sinned and done wrong. That's the sixth part of prayer. I humbly confess what I've done wrong. Let me be encouraging to you. God wants you to be specific. Because he wants to remind you not to do it again. Look at Daniel. We've rebelled against you. We've ignored your commands. We've rejected your laws. We've refused to listen to your servants. We've forgotten to listen to the prophets. Daniel 9 verse 7 says this, Lord, you're righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel, both near and far in all countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, our ancestors are covered with shame. We've done wrong. Lord, we've sinned against you. You know what, God? We've committed spiritual adultery. We gave our love to someone else when we were supposed to give our love to you. We've been unfaithful to you. Look at verse 10 in Daniel chapter 9. We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. Look at verse 13. We kept on sinning, never giving you a second thought. We are oblivious to your clear warnings. Then Daniel sums it up great in in verse 16. And now all the other nations mock us. Daniel knows that he doesn't deserve God's blessing. But he casts himself on God's grace. He goes, I would never earn this. I don't deserve this. We don't deserve to go back home. We don't deserve your blessing. But we know that you're a good father. You're a merciful father. How does God respond to this prayer? Look at verse 20. Well, I kept praying. Daniel just didn't pray this prayer one time. 
He prayed it over and over and over. God, I need your help. God, we've sinned. We've messed up. God, I'm pleading with you. I love this in that little passage there, verse 20 through 23. Suddenly the angel Gabriel shows up. Now, here's a little sidebar for you. There's three archangels. There's Lucifer. He fell. He became Satan. There's Michael, and then there's Gabriel. Gabriel is the guy that shows up at Christmas. This is so important that God sent Gabriel in a vision to Daniel. And he says suddenly, while I'm doing all of this praying, while Daniel's praying, the angel Gabriel appeared in a vision and said this, Daniel, I've been sent to help you understand God's plan. The moment you began praying, an answer was given. And I'm here to tell you, Daniel, that God loves you very much. I can tell you right now what God will say to you that are watching, my friends. I love you very, 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 very much. I feel very, very deeply about you. I saw you born. I saw when you were born. I saw when you grew up. I saw all your hurts. I saw the happy times. I see the sad times that you have now. I see that you're scared. I've seen everything in your life, and I have a plan for you. I have a timetable for you. And when you started praying, I heard your prayer. And I want you to help you to understand that I still have a plan for your life because I love you very, very much. Now, some of you might say, okay, Matt, that's great. This is God talking to Daniel. I'm not Daniel. I'm not either. The reason I know it'll work for you is because the exact same formula is given in another part of the Bible to anyone. It's to all of God's people. Second Chronicles 7.14, one of the most famous promises in the entire Bible. It's also the most misused, misquoted verse in the Bible. This is a promise for you today in the midst of COVID-19. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal, heal, heal their land. God says this, there's four conditions. If you do these four things, I'll do these three, these three things. Here's what our job is in the middle of this crisis. We need to be humble. We need to pray. We need to seek. And then we need to turn away from our wicked ways. And what does God say? God says, I'll hear your prayer. I'll forgive you. And I will heal your land. Let's pray. God, thank you for the reminder today of powerful words from Daniel. Thank you even in that chapter how we could see the progression of how you worked and how you moved. God, we thank you that you're a God who lavishes his love on us. God, thank you that you are greater than anything in our life. 
God, we walk into this communion time knowing that we celebrate the fact that you are alive. We ask all this in your name. Amen. I have deeply appreciated the way the world has changed over the last few weeks in, in the sense of kindness. It seems that neighbors are excited to see each other. It seems like kids are responding by making masks and just figuring out ways that they can serve the world. There's something that we as Christ followers can do that's different than, than those things. We should be involved in kindness with our neighbors. We should be involved in, in helping in ways that we can. But we have something that the world doesn't have. We have a relationship with Jesus. And in that, we can come before his throne and plead. Plead like Daniel did. God, heal our land. And God says, I, I want to do that. If you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, and the door will be open. Uh, and, and this is a great time for us to do something as the church. We would love for you to come in this building, but we can't do that. So I'm going to challenge you in a different way. This week, as we walk into Holy Week, I'd love for you to get into your car. I'd love for you to drive to a hospital that's near you, and I want you to pray. I want you to pray protection over the people that are taking care of those that are sick. I want you to, to pray for those that are sick that God would heal them. And as you leave the hospital, I want you to, to drive if you know where your MP or MLA office is. And I'd love you to park outside of there and to pray for them that God would make them incredibly wise. If you have a police station in your neighborhood, I'd encourage you to go and pray at the police station. This is a time for us as the church to not become weaker in our prayers, but to lift our prayers up in even greater ways. Because of the promises God gives us, God will heal our land. God will restore us. God will take brokenness and turn it into something for his glory. Let me pray for you. We'll join you on Good Friday at 1030. We look forward to that and on Easter Sunday. Invite some of your friends to join in on Easter Sunday. Let's pray. God, we plead with you. We pray to you. We call out to you knowing that we're nothing without you. God, may you heal us individually. If there's ways that we've gotten distracted or we've lost our way, we don't even know the way home yet, may you remind us of the story of the lost son where you stood at the end of the, the walkway and just said, come home. God, may you protect our land. We know that you are greater than, than anything in this world. And we pray that 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 over all of us. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I, God, can do what I want to do. Lord, we love you. Thank you. 
We ask all this in your name. Amen.